welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast where we're talking to members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker and my guest today is Emily Chu, a senior from Santa Rosa, California. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced by Moonyard Studio right here in Tacoma. Here's Emily. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm delighted to have you. I want to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners in aggregate. So who are you, Emily? Um, <laughs> so I am Emily. I am from Santa Rosa, California. I am a senior here, so class of 2021, um, about to graduate, which is super scary. Um, I am a biochemistry major. I'm debating on the minor thing right now. We're about to um, enroll in classes on November 6th, I think. And so kind of working my way around a math minor or a bioethics emphasis, depending. Do you have to pick one or the other? Yes, because if I want to be a bioethics emphasis, then I need to take three classes. For math minor, I only need to take one class, but I'm not really like that keen on math personally. So I'm trying to like lean away from that. Um, but yeah. And then should I just say a couple of things that I'm involved in on campus? Or? Yes, please. Okay. Um, so I am part of the music program. So the other thing that I was looking at is I might just fill up my schedule. So I have three open slots in my schedule. I might just fill that up with music classes since I'm part of the mm-hmm. music program. Um, and then I am part of Greek life. I'm in one of the sororities here on campus and, um, a campus tour guide. (laughs) And I think that's it that I can think of at the moment. Well, so I want to start by going back to the very first thing you said, which is you are about to graduate. Mm -hmm. And even in a year that looked the way one expected it to, graduating is a really big moment. How are you feeling? Pretty overwhelmed. Yeah. I have like a general plan. My advisor, he has like a small cohort of like seniors that he just is like, we need to talk like you guys like come meet with me. So we actually met with him in person, which was really nice. And typically I think most seniors are around in Tacoma. We like to be around our friends. Um, So we actually met with him in Harned, our science lab building with masks on and everything, six feet apart, like at separate tables, just kind of yelling across the hall at each other. Um, And so I just kind of discussed some of my like post-graduation plans with my advisor. I'm not sure if I want to stay in like California or if I want to stay in Washington. It's kind of the debate right now in my head. Um, I'm a pre-med student. So that's kind of like where I'm leaning. So I have to decide if I want to declare in-state residency in either state because that will make a big difference on where I apply in the future. And are you at a point in the year where have you applied or are you going to apply to medical schools or are you thinking I want to do something else for a little while before I pull the cord on that? I am in the position where I'm thinking that I want to do something else before I pull the cord on it because it's a really big commitment to go to medical school. And some people like really, really know that's like exactly what they want to do. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, so I'm also a research student on campus at the moment. So I did that over the summer and I've been doing it over the semester and, um, I really like research. So I'm in the, I'm in Luke's organic chemistry research lab. Um, and it's super interesting. So I'm thinking that maybe, in my one or two gap years. So I either would apply at the end of this summer, which is 
that would give me one gap year. Or if I could apply next summer, which would be a second gap year. So I'm thinking that I'm leaning towards two, <laughs> just because that will give me a more idea if, you know, I want to go into healthcare or not, or if I'm more of the STEM side of STEM. Um, so I think that I might want to like try to work at a biotech company or something or work at a research lab. Um, and then maybe pair that with the other plan is um, to take a CNA course and be a CNA. So then I can get some more clinical experience during that period of time. And help me, that's certified nurses assistant, nursing assistant? Yes, exactly. I think that that's a great idea. One of the things, so I graduated from Puget Sound a while back in 2017. Um, and right when I graduated, one of the things everybody told me is, if you can, take some time before you go to grad school. And very much on the logic that you're saying of, it might turn out that when you get into a job, you feel differently about the idea of school or about your interests, or you want to take your qualifications in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And I feel very good about that. That's not something that I have ever looked back on. Right. And I think that is more common now. Like I've talked to a lot of adults. Um, last or two summers ago, I worked in like the administrative side of healthcare, which now it's a really good thing to do because I can cross that completely off my list. I was not interested in that at all. But a lot of the adults that I talked to, they have had multiple different careers before they landed in the position that they are now. And they were really like emphasizing that for me, that it's not as common for people to go straight into med school or straight into grad school. Like people do like to take a little bit of time for themselves and like try to figure themselves out a little bit more. Well, and I think it is smart, especially as you're saying, you've had the experience of working in healthcare administration and figuring out, oh, I don't like this. That in my mind is just as valuable an experience as having an internship and thinking I'm meant for this. And this is so great. I can add this bullet point to my resume. Sometimes the the positive outcome is that you get more clarity for yourself about what you don't want. Exactly. Emily, I want to ask you too about your work in organic chemistry and about your biochemistry major more broadly. So I'm a social science person. I took the regular suite of natural sciences like everybody does. But in my mind, organic chemistry is a big, scary college-level chemistry class that everybody dreads. What is it to you? I imagine you think very differently about what organic chemistry is and what OCHEM research is and looks like. Yeah, um, this is really interesting for me because I also was very like humanities, like social studies geared initially before I came here. And that's kind of why I liked the school initially, because I was like, ooh, liberal arts, like I get to like dabble. Like I had no idea what I was really interested in. Because like coming out of high school, I was really interested in like English was my big thing. Um, I was also really interested in history, which I know a lot of people think is really boring, but I think is really cool. Um, and then I came in initially as a politics and government major. Um, my heart couldn't take like the stress of like politics and government. So I kind of like had to like let that go. It's really, I think it's really interesting, but it just like, is too stressful for me in that way. Um, Cause I get too invested, but I took a general chemistry class here and was surprised that I enjoyed chemistry because I took chemistry in high school and I've talked to a lot of people who've had a similar experience where like their chemistry high school like experience was not the greatest like I just thought that I like couldn't do it 
after like taking it. I was like, if there's any science that I would do, it'd be biology. Like I can't do physics. I can't do chemistry. Like I can't do like the hard, hard, like mathy sciences. Um, I hear that from so many people who mm-hmm. feel like they have had a bad experience putting math and science together. Mm-hmm. And like biology or like environmental science, but feel like that's the part of science for them because of that. Yes. And that was where I was coming from. I also like really struggled in math all through elementary school, middle school, high school. Like I never really got the grades that I wanted in those particular classes. So I was like, I can't, we're not doing it. But um, because um, Puget Sound is liberal arts school, you know, you take some sciences, you take some math, like you have to. And I like took chemistry and it was actually, it clicked. It was so strange. I've never had that experience. I had such an amazing teacher. I've actually had the same teacher twice now or three times now. So I heard her for my general chemistry class. I took a food chemistry class with her and now I'm in um, physical chemistry with her. And um, so then I liked it. So then I was like, we got to go to the next step, which is organic chemistry. And partially had to do it because being pre-med, you have to take a year of it. But um, I also liked chemistry. So I was like, maybe I'll get a minor in chemistry or something. Um, And then took organic chemistry, was terrified the whole time because what you're saying, it's so true. Like everyone's like, oh, organic chemistry is like, so awful like you're gonna die (laughs) and me not having that much confidence in my like chemistry skills my math skills I was like this is gonna be awful but it wasn't first of all there's no math in organic chemistry which is part of the reason why I really really like it um and then the other thing was I had again another amazing teacher I okay this is very gross and like cheesy or whatever but like I love the chemistry department here. Like there are like probably like 50% of the reason why I picked chemistry as my major. Like they're always around, like they're always willing to answer questions. Like they're super nice and friendly. Like um, I used to sit out in Harned and study all the time before um, COVID happened. And like the professors would just pass by and like stop and like chat with me, ask me like how my family was doing, like how I was doing, like, um, you know, how I was doing with my classes and things like that. Um, So I really like that environment. It's very like, and I'm sure other departments are like this too. I just haven't like experienced it with those, but it's very inclusive. Like um, one of the professors, he holds for the seniors, a like little dinner party, like at his house for all the chemistry, biochemistry majors. Um, For my food come class, we went, our final was to bake a three course meal with our group members or bake, cook, whatever, (laughs) um, a three course meal. And then we served them to like the faculty at this one of the faculty's house. And we like had to like present the chemistry of the food to them. So it was like a really chill environment. Um, pretty cool. We got to eat everyone's food. Everyone made some really crazy, like amazing things. What did your group make? So we did like a, we had um, a Cuban person on our group. So he was really down for like making Cuban food. So we, and um, another girl in my group she has like peruvian like roots so we did um plantains which is her like dad's recipe and with that one we talked about like i'm gonna nerd out a little we talked about like maillard reaction like the frying and how that works um we made cubanos we made the bread ourselves which was a feat (laughs) our first was like a rock like we did not like get the yeast to like start so our first bread was literally a rock but we made it um and then our dessert was flan so we talked a little bit about gels and cineresis and all that process did you pick those foods in part because of the fact that they all seem to involve really different chemical processes like when you said flan i thought well that is a perfect example 
Is mm-hmm. that part of the reason you picked it? For sure. We we want we wanted to like be very clear cut with like, look at us. We are using like a sous vide. Like that is this process. Or like, oh, we made like mayonnaise. That's um a like binding process. You know. So, and whipped cream, <laughs> why not? But. And how did you go from realizing, okay, I actually like chemistry. I like science. This is something I can do. To I definitely want to major in biochemistry. And also I'm going to start working in a lab on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was taking a bunch of like prereqs, like for like other classes, I was taking like music, music of the world's people, like the ethnomusicology class with like Gwen Brown. Um, And I realized that like that class was really interesting, but like the class that I like wanted to be studying more for was organic chemistry. And then I also realized that, like when my professor was teaching it, like I constantly was like asking like the why question that like a lot of students are just like, who cares? Like, let's just move on. And I kept asking like the why, like I wanted to know why. Um, like for me, I didn't really memorize that much in organic chemistry. Like I was really like trying to understand it, which I think was the key. Um, and I think I just, there was like a flow about studying for that kind of thing. Like, I can listen to my music and I like can just like, not think about anything else except for that thing. Um, and I really like that science is mostly absolute. Um, I have a hard time sometimes with the grasping of certain concepts where there's more than one answer, I think. And I really enjoyed the more absolute part of science. And then also, like, we have these really amazing labs where all the students get to do the chemistry themselves. Like I think a lot of times in big schools, like you have a professor standing in the front of the class and he's just like pouring things and you just watch and have to take notes. But like we get to like do the thing, like we have um, an HNMR machine, which I think is like, it's like thousands and thousands of dollars. And like at my sister's school, like they're not allowed to use, like the students are not allowed to touch it. But like as like a sophomore, you know, second year of chemistry, like they're like, go ahead, like use the software program, like put in your samples into that huge machine. Like we get to do the things um, that like, I don't think a lot of students like have the access to do. Um, Not to totally put you on the spot, but what does that machine do? um, So that machine, oh my God. Okay. (laughs) I am really bad at explaining like the exact science of it, but basically like it, you insert your sample into the machine and there's like a ginormous magnet in the bottom and that magnet, like, so it's like spinning your sample and that magnet is basically like finding out where the like protons or hydrogens are on your like molecule. And it like spits out these like spectra, which like show you peaks and those peaks correspond to um, like the different protons that you can like recognize, like if it has like a chemical shift in a certain region, you can say, oh, I did make that carbonyl or like, oh, I did make my like amid product or whatever. Um, and so that's what I'm basically using in my research a lot. So I'm trying to form amid bonds um, out of an amine. And basically there are these two peaks that I like usually look at in my research. Um, one of them shows like the amine reactant and the other one shows the amide product. And then you can like integrate um, or like take the area of those peaks. And that kind of shows you like the ratio of like how much like reactant to product you've gotten. Um, And so I use that machine like 
seven times, six, eight times, whatever a day um, during the summer. I'm not doing as much work with it now um, just because we have like less time during school year, but it's a pretty cool machine. And help me sort of as a a non-chemistry person to get my brain over the finish line on when you're doing that research, what are you looking for? Or what's the question that's driving it that makes that outcome and that data actually useful to you? Yeah, so um, Luke's lab is like really based on green chemistry. And as we can see right now, like environmental pollution is like a huge issue um, at the moment. So amid bonds, they make up like nearly 30% of all like synthesis of um, pharmaceutical drugs. Like it's a huge um, process that occurs. And like, at the moment they can make it efficiently. They just, it's just super toxic for the environment. Like the byproducts that come out of it are really, really awful for the environment and they have no really real way to get rid of that waste. They just kind of like store it in these giant containers. And Luke's lab is basically trying to find a, an environmentally friendly way to create this bond. Um, and basically how we do this is using a catalyst um, where you can reuse that catalyst because it just cycles out. So you're not wasting that catalyst. And there's no byproduct that forms other than water. And we know how to get rid of water. So <laughs> it's super good for the environment. Um, and our problem right now is just trying to get the catalyst to work as efficiently so that pharmaceutical co- um, companies are interested in using it. Um, so we're basically toying with like a couple of catalysts. And then we have these additives that might make the catalyst work faster. So we're just mixing and matching. So when you said part of what you're looking at when you look at this data that comes back is to see what the ratio of catalyst to product, is that the right word? Reactant to product. Of reactant to product is is just to try and maximize that relationship so you're getting the maximum output. What do international smuggling, wastewater, literature of the African diaspora, and 20th century Chinese art have to do with each other? I'm Brittany Jackson, Assistant Director of Admission and Multicultural Admission Coordinator. And those are just a few of our amazing faculty's research interests. Find out more and discover new topics all together by browsing our website at pugetsound.edu. Now back to PS, the Puget Sound Podcast. I've been hosting this podcast now for more than a year. One of the things that's been really interesting to me is to see the trends that come up. One of the biggest, I think the clearest trends that has come out is this idea that Puget Sound students are not pigeonholed, that you are not sort of just a quote unquote stereotypical biochemistry major who is only in the lab, but also that when you sent over to me the list of things that you're involved on campus, they span an enormous range. You're also in Greek life. You also are in the School of Music. You work for us in the Campus Visit Program. Did you come to college anticipating that you would be involved in so many different things? Um, I think yes, but I didn't realize to like what extent. Um, I think in high school, like a lot of people do a lot of things oftentimes. Um, 
like in high school, I was in sports. I was in music, the same, same thing basically. Um, but I was also like a more like surface level participant in those things. I think, um, I did like the bare minimum for like most things, you know, I was part of like random clubs and like went to the one meeting or whatever. Um, and then Puget Sound, like you only are taking, you know, your four course load, like you have extra time like to do other things. And so I, I realized after my first semester here, like I wasn't involved in anything after my first semester, um, that like I had all this extra time that I was really just wasting. I was taking a lot of naps. I like hadn't like figured out how to like manage my time and also not take like two hour naps. Um, which I think is a real thing. Like I know a lot of freshmen like will like take really long naps. It's like a thing that I've discussed with my friends. Um, but like being part of the music program is so amazing. Um, I came in like, so I have a scholarship. So I have like a, a bunch of like requirements that I need to hit. And I came in thinking that, okay, you know, I'll just hit those requirements. Like I just, I need the money. <laughs> like it's whatever. Like I don't really love the violin. Like it's fine. And to, just to be clear, like a music scholarship, those yeah. are requirements from the school of music to play in an orchestra or to. Yes, exactly. Um, and personally, so in high school, I was way more involved in like choir than I ever was in like orchestra. Like I was way more into the voice thing. Um, but I like auditioned for violin. It just seemed easier to me, I guess. And like, I just got that scholarship and kind of was like, this is super irritating that I have to do all these things. Um, I just remember being so like shook when I got the email from the teacher being like, you have to do all these things. I didn't see your name on the list to audition for an ensemble. And I was like, crap. <laughs> um, but honestly, music has become like a huge de-stressor for me. Like it's one of my favorite parts of the day. Like, like I used to go into orchestra, like really angry. I think you can ask anyone who knew me, like my freshman year, like I was a very like angry <laughs> individual and, and um, it's just become like a meditative process for me. So like I have to take violin lessons. I have to be part of an ensemble and I have to participate in studio class. So like that's where you perform and like critique each other's performances. And, um, those are things that I really look forward to. And those are also places where I like make friends that like with people that I wouldn't necessarily have like any contact with. Um, being in like STEM, obviously I have like a ton of like STEM friends. And then in Greek life, I have like that Greek life community. And then being in music, I'm able to like open this other avenue of being friends with like a lot of like music type people also. Um, and it's really nice to like use that different part of my brain during the day. Like I will have been studying all day, you know, doing my STEM classes. Like I've taken four STEM classes at once before and it's very like of the same thing. And being able to like de-stress, like play the violin in like a meditative sort of way. It's honestly been like one of the like very like grounding things for me. And especially during COVID too. Like it's like my one sense of like normality right now too. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to take music classes in college? Because I think a lot of people in the general public or coming from high school sort of envision what I think of as like your archetypal high school orchestra class where you go in and maybe some people are good, but maybe some people are and you all sort of play a couple minutes of whatever piece you're working on together. And then maybe there's a sight reading test. Is that the kind of coursework that you do when you're studying college level music? There are certain classes where you will have like, there's like oral skills where like you do have to like sight read and like play the piano. And those are for like people who are minoring or majoring in like 
it's definitely possible to minor. Like I definitely could have gotten a music minor while I was here, but I definitely, again, I was not really into the music thing when I first came. Um, but for me personally, like on that lower level of commitment, I, um, my violin lessons are something really awesome because I've had the same professor for four years now. Um, we work on whatever I want to work on. Um, people come in with different ideas of how they want their music to be. And my teacher is really flexible about that. So like I have had, so in my studio class, do you know Nick Casey? He's like, he goes to the school or he went to the school. He's like, he works for um, tech services now. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he, he was in my studio class. He's really into like jazz violin and like, you know, like the pedals and like the equipment and stuff like that. And she's like been able to like, she like posits pieces to him where like it's more like free um, spirited music and like more like um, impro improvising type of pieces. Um, and then like for me, I grew up like with a really classical background and that's kind of the pieces that I prefer, like I prefer to play is um, those really like showy classical pieces. So like I've really focused on those kind of things. And then like there are other people who, um, there is this person in my class who um, is really like tied to their Jewish heritage and has played a lot of pieces by like Jewish composers. Um, and my professor also makes sure to like not just play like what she calls like the dead white guys. Um, so right now I actually, she has me playing a piece um, composed by a woman. So, and that's my first piece that I've ever played composed by a woman. And when I think about it, I'm like, that's really strange to think about, but that's like, classical music is very like dated and like not that progressive. Um, and then it's kind of the same thing in orchestra too. So there is an audition based process for part of, for some people or for everyone, I guess. Um, and we, Dr. Whitstruck, the orchestra um, conductor, she's been really big on like doing themes for our concerts, which I think is really cool. So like in the past, I think in school orchestras and stuff like that, they just kind of like throw like whatever um, pieces together that they can find, I guess, that like the school can play. But we play like really high caliber like music, um, very different music too. Um, I think last, right before we got sent home for COVID, we were doing um, a, I forget the exact name of the theme, I'm sorry, but um, it's it had to do with like all women compos composers. And then like the next theme was supposed to be like, I can't remember exactly what it was and I don't want to say it wrong, but it's like, it's like different themes where you're not just playing like that one type. You're like classical, like Mozart, Beethoven, Brahms kind of like music. So it's very different. Um, and I think it's really good and eye opening. And we do, we do the like classical things sometimes too. It's just like not for that particular set. There's a couple of threads that I want to tease out of what you've said, but one thing that I think really struck me is at the beginning when you were saying that for you a lot of the value in playing the violin is as this meditative self-care sort of personal interest activity and not as a I'm gonna get every accolade you can get on the violin or not because I'm taking violin lessons I also have to do a music minor mm -hmm. that thread to me is something that's really special to me about Puget Sound it's easy in any kind of big community environment to feel like you have to just sort of move at breakneck speed towards all the accomplishments you can rack up 
And it has always felt special to me that I've never met anybody at Puget Sound who was more accomplished than they were interesting. Like, you know how sometimes you know somebody and you're like, man, that person has done all this cool stuff. I'm really excited to meet them. And then you meet them and you're like, you're terrible. (laughs) All you want to do is talk about yourself. That very much does not feel like the Puget Sound vibe to me. Everybody that I have known here is pursuing the things that they're doing and often pursuing them at really high level, like critical thinking. And like you just spoke so passionately about the violin and about the importance of representation in classical music and how you're working with all of your peers who are playing jazz violin and approaching music from all these really different complex perspectives. It feels so special to me that you're able to hold on to that and also say, I can love this and not have it be the only thing that I do Mm -hmm. or be sort of the cornerstone of who I am. That feels special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I want to speak to that, like non-competitive aspect that I think a lot of like music or like show, like arts type of thing, like you will usually find like the person who was the concert mistress of my orchestra, my first two years, she was an incredible violinist. Like, virtuosic, like going to grad school for it, like amazing. And was like the most humble person ever. Like I've had like concert masters or whatever, who like who were very like rude <laughs> and like very like looked down upon like the rest of like the section are very like harsh about it. And like she, I think set like the standard and like it's continued, like she graduated, it's continued with like our new concert, like masters to like they alternate. Um, where they're very like, we're very like easy to give compliments. Um, and like not to be like rudely competitive. Um, I think it's really easy for like people to think that like a lot of times there's like this notion that first violinists are very like diva centric and like, you know, like really want to be like the one that plays the solo or whatever. And like I had that in my orchestra in high school. I was part of the problem for sure. <laughs> um, but it was really interesting to like come to this like new environment and like immediately step in and have everyone be so like open. So like, wow, you're so good. And like, and it was coming from people who were like loads better than me. Um, it's just like a very like um, nurturing environment, I think. Is that part of what made you feel like you could do it just to love it? Yeah, I think so. Um I think it's that and also partly just like the like the fact that like our professors like let us like take the reins and like what we want to do. Like she will never force me to play something that I don't really want to play. Obviously you got to do your like technical stuff like skills and things like that. But like in piece wise like I've picked every piece that I wanted to play up to this point. Um So I think that has something to do with it as well. Emily, we end every episode by asking everybody the same four questions. Okay. The question (laughs) is, what's your favorite place on campus? Definitely Hornet Hall, because as I said before, if you study there and the professors are walking by, like they will like take note and they, and 
Also, you can literally ask any professor as they're walking by for help on your homework. For my organic chemistry class, I literally, I think, asked all four organic professors, like, how to do one problem, just to, like, really, to really get it, like, nailed in the head. Second question is, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a couple of things. I, well, right now for one of my classes, I'm reading, um, Oh, it's the spirit catches you when you fall down or something like that. By oh, it's an Anne Feldman book. Yeah, yeah. So I just started reading that. It's really interesting. Um, obviously, I'm Asian and like reading it from the perspective. I'm not Hmong, but or but like it's really interesting to read like the healthcare aspect of like how like particular cultures can like play a huge role in um, the juxta the juxtaposition of like Western healthcare versus like um, other culture healthcare's. What class assigned that to you? That is my sociology class. It is Soin 360, I think. It's it's the health, society, health medicine and society class, which is highly recommended. It's my favorite class I've ever taken here, I think. Is Ben Lewin teaching that class? Yes. I have taken that class. It's great. It's literally so, like, it's, like, perfect timing right now, too. Like, everything going on in the world, like, it's really interesting. We just did the health insurance class yesterday. And it was really interesting because, like, we have no idea what our health insurance or health care is going to look like in the coming months. But Third question, Emily, is a hard pivot from the serious topic of health care. But what is the best place to eat in Tacoma? Oh, my gosh, there's so many good places. I'm such a foodie, too, so, like, this is going to be really hard. Okay, first off, probably fucking, which sounds weird, but, like, I think that's, like, a lot of people's favorite, like, pho place in Tacoma. Relatively cheap, huge portions, delicious. Yeah, that one. <laughs> and to wrap things up, the final question, what makes Puget Sound special? I think it's the community feel of it because so I have three sisters and two of them have already been to college. So I keep like comparing experiences, which I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but they both are going to big schools and that's like, I mean, that's good for them. Like that is their type of personality. But for me, like I need a little bit more of that like home feel. And like, I have that here where like it's, Yes, I think a lot of people assume that they're going to find, like, the really good community, like, friends here. And I definitely obviously have found that. But I think it's also from, like, the staff. And, like, not just, like, the like the teaching staff, but, like, the, like every, like, staff person. Um, like, for example, like, when I would get my eggs in the morning at the sub, the lady, she knew my order by heart. So she would just start making the eggs, with, like, right when I walked in. <laughs> and... Um, I went to Opt to eat breakfast a lot just because it was closer to the to Greek Row, and so I didn't want to walk all the way to the sub. And like when I finally went back to the sub for a bit, um, the lady who made my eggs, she was like, "I haven't seen you in a while. I was wondering if you were okay, like that kind of thing." I've forgotten my like dining doll, like my my card access in Opt before, and like the girl who was working at the counter, she was like, "Oh, I see you every day. Like you're fine. Like here's your." the same bagel that you get every day. Um, so it's just like those sort of things that make me feel like if I, especially like in your first year, like you hear like these horror stories of like people like falling into the cracks and things like that. And um, just like having people like know that like, if I like disappear, like people would notice. Um, and I think that's like a huge part of why like 
I continued my education here. It's just like that community aspect. Emily Chu, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for PS, the Puget Sound podcast.